ברוכים הבאים בשם השם, ולכנוכם ובעץ השם, welcome to our weekly Wednesday שיר. שיר נשמס, ירדן מלך, הרב שלום בן ים יועץ שיחיה. almost finished saying Kaddish for him and Matan Abbas Musli and Gabriel Yaakov and today is Yadzeit I'm oh, sorry, Esther Malka Bas Malachet Salach and today is the Yadzeit the Shabbos is Pashas Kiseitze. Sometimes you have people that are extremely obnoxious. And they have to show that either they're the smartest or they're the best or they're the whatever it might be. And uh, they come up with these most random quotes of Sukkim or Halachas. Someone once confronted just such a smart person. And he asked him, he says, you know, of course, that when a Pasik starts with the word Vayihi, it's a Lashon Tzar. The Pasik starts with the word Vahoya, it's a Lashon Simcha. He says, yes. He says, so why does it say Vahoya Kisei Tzadam Acham What's the joy, what's the Simcha going out to war? And this big Talmud Chacham started to answer and started to explain and started to toil and to go back and forth and he says I have a better answer for you, he says what's your answer he tells him he says it doesn't say v'hoyah it just says the word v'hoyah is not there and <clears throat> needless to say this didn't make a great impression on the fellow he immediately grabbed the chumash to see <laughs> Kiseitze, of course, is always the Pasha after Shaftim. After being told Shaftim v'Shaytrim Titan Lacha B'Chol Sharecha to give Shaftim and Shaytrim throughout your entire all your Sharem, as we spoke last week. Same Tosim Alecha Melach, as we spoke last week, the really king giving a, putting a king on as a ruler. Of course, referring once again spiritually how to rule over a person and one should be ruled. Beruchnius, and then Kiseitzin Amuchamal. Excuse me. You go out to war against your enemy. The enemy, of course, we refer to <coughs> at all times is the Yitzhara. As the Yitzhara comes up with and conjures up all different thoughts and all different ways of connivingly convincing Rahman al a person to deviate from the path of terror. 
there was a fellow who once brought his bacha, his, not a big masmid, unfortunately. Sorry, not necessarily. He brought his bacha to yeshiva, to the Chibini yeshiva. He came to the Chibini yeshiva, and he had, this man himself learned in the Chibini yeshiva, and he had a Magid Shir, a Shashiva that he was connected to, and he told him, maybe you could talk to my son, give him a few words of inspiration before he starts the yeshiva, and maybe keep him on the right track. So he said to the Bach, I have a marshal for you. There was once a story where the king was walking with three advisors and his aide, and they were walking in the forest, and the king got very thirsty. He got thirsty and he told his aide, please bring me a cup of water. Immediately the aide rushed back to the palace, filled up a beautiful crystal goblet with water, put it on a gorgeous tray, diamond studded, and began to bring it back to the king. Unfortunately on the way he tripped, water spilled, and the tray fell into a pit. He interim, the king was thirsty, so he ran back and he got another glass of water. And he called, came back and he told the king what had happened, that the tray fell into a pit. Had. So the king said, How can we get the tray out of the pit? It was a narrow pit. Unfortunately, big enough for the tray to fall in, but not big enough for a man to crawl in and get it out. So advisor A said, let's dig up. We'll make the hole deeper and wider, and we'll be able to go in and get it. So the king said, yeah, but if you make the hole wider, who's telling you that it's not going to fall back in deeper? It'll go deeper in, maybe. So the second advisor said, I mean, this is next to it. We'll be digging another pit, parallel, and we'll go across. So this is a tremendous amount of tirch, a tremendous amount of work and trouble and etc. Third advisor said, how big do you think the pit is? How deep could it be? Let us get a lot of water and we'll fill the pit with water and the, fill, the pit will fill with water, the tray will float to the top. So this man, this Rosh Hashiva told the Bacha, there's many different ways of approaching Teda, there's many different ways of approaching sometimes the Eight Sahara, how to get about, how to get around. Sometimes you can go head on, sometimes you can just go and dance around, let's make a second hole. Or in my melateda, teda always referred to as water, and let it float to the top. This, you should know, is always going to be a solution to any given problems you will have. You just involve yourself in teda, it will wash away, and the, te- the problem will float mm-hmm. 
So he says in Amacham Alevecha, Unesanai, Shemalekecha, Biedecha, Veshvisa Shivirei. Go out. When you go out to war against your enemy, Shem, your God, will deliver into him into your hands, and you will take his captives. From the enemy, you will take captives. Torah introduces the laws of prisoners of war. And the Torah doesn't just introduce it saying that in case you'll find a captive, Torah says you will surely find a captive. You will be able to take them. This is a guarantee that the Torah is giving us. This Pasuk also, as we said, refers to the spiritual enemies of the person, the Sahara, the physical desires of the body, and the selfish tendencies that the Sahara, the animal, the Nefesh Bahamas, poses. which all these things are a constant <coughs> challenge to our devotion and dedication to God. Torah doesn't tell us, when you go out to war, destroy the enemy. Torah says, capture them. Redirect your energy and your passion to fulfill God's words God's mission <coughs> but this effort is also a war it's not so simple because the body and the Nefesh Bahamas they resist this transformation to become a total spiritual entity but, as hard as this battle is, tells us the Tehidah, you, I guarantee, will be able to be victorious, <coughs> even before we go into the thick of war, you should know right now, if you go out to war, if you set yourself to the task, and you go out, on the mission to transform your inner enemy, Hashem says, He guarantees you, that he will give you, he will deliver him to your hands. Not only will you vanquish your enemies, and not be vanquished by them, 
you'll even take them as captives. When one redirects their energies, and they take the, not the body, and they take the Nevesha Bahamas, and they redirect everything towards the Nevesha Likis, towards the godly soul, towards the godly mission, says the Teda, you will succeed in extracting all the sparks of the divine purpose. All these sparks, the Nitsutsas, that lie dormant in the physical world, you will take them and you will elevate them to a greater degree, greater than you were capable of doing prior. Once you go out and dedicate yourself and devote yourself to the actual battle, to go to war against the Yitzhahara, you will be able to conquer and overcome whatever comes before you. And therefore, it is a, an obligation, it is, a, it, is an, it is imperative that a Jew knows that Yesh Dama Lamayla Mimoch, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is above, and we, oh no, there it comes, and there it goes. That HaKadosh Baruch was above. And therefore, he needs to always devote himself and dedicate himself to the service of Hashem mm-hmm. and the battle of Hashem. tells us the Teda that a person needs to always know and remember whatever they're doing and however they're doing it that it's the service of God the story is told of a wealthy man who had a factory and his factory he produced everything that he was selling obviously and produced on his own and this had many different divisions to it. Different wings, different parts, different offices. And if a person would come to collect money, they would have to find them there. So they would come there and they'd have to go searching for him. Ba'ayim, the Mishalachim that used to come from Eretz Yisrael, the people that used to come collect from the Holy Land of Israel, who unfortunately were handicapped and only spoke English,
um, had to find their way around until they found the owners of this man's office until they were able to talk to him and get money from him. The man did not want to at all deprive these people of the money. He wanted to give the charity. But he had to work in his office nonetheless. So what he did was he put a sign in his door. And the sign in his door read owner or balabos. One day one such collector, Meshulach, came in and he reprimanded him and told him who do you think you are? How do you dare write? You're the owner. You're the boss. You're the quote-unquote head honcho. God is the head honcho. God is the boss. How do you write such a thing? Man was duly, duly embarrassed. And where most people, when they get embarrassed as such, would immediately throw the man out on his head, he actually embraced this man and actually gave him a better and bigger donation than he ever gave anybody. Immediately changed his sign. And he wrote manager. He wrote in Hebrew, this is the manager's office. The owner and the boss is God. The CEO is God. God is my captain. Lo and behold, one day, unfortunately, one of the pipes in the factory broke. Burst. It was a water pipe, no less. And it started to pour down on the products below. Luckily, you know, unfortunately, there was a rain. Fortunately, there was a worker standing right there and would have been able to take everything together and would be able to put everything in safe with minimal damage. Unfortunately, the worker was on their smartphone. And she was very, very engrossed in her phone. Fortunately, the other man, the manager actually, saw her on the phone and took the loudspeaker, the, the microphone that broadcast throughout the factory and was calling to her and telling her, quickly move the products. Unfortunately, she was so engrossed in her phone, she didn't even hear the band talking to her. Unfortunately, once again, there was a tremendous loss to the company. Well, needless to say, this worker who was negligent on the job and was playing on the, the talking on their phone rather than looking after the stuff that they had to look after <laughs> was dismissed. She was fired, Nebuch. Well, that was in the family, half their income. The husband made a half an income and she made a half an income. 
So now you take away this half income, she's pretty, they're pretty devastated. The husband got very upset. So upset that he got, he got a gun, and he went to the factory to kill the boss. He's going to kill this guy. So upset, so angry. He came to the factory and he started looking for the boss. And he's looking and he's looking and he's looking. And he sees the signs. He's following the signs. He's looking for the signs of, say, owner, say, CEO. Where's the CEO? Where's the owner? And people are pointing in this direction. They didn't know what he wanted. And lo and behold, he comes to the owner's office, but it just says on it, manager. And he bursts into the door and says, where is the balabas? Where's the owner? Where's the CEO? And he immediately points to heaven. (laughs) The would-be murderer didn't understand the sign and he took it to mean that the owner upstairs on the second floor and he ran upstairs and he's waving his gun and the man is looking the owner is looking at the, uh, the camera and he sees the man is with a gun. In other words, he knows he's coming to kill him. So, he immediately calls the police, and Baruch Hashem was saved. Because he understood there's only one boss, there's only one CEO of our company, CEO of us, CEO of our lives, CEO of everything that we have and do. And it's to that CEO that we need to answer. It tells us the Teda in his Pasha, many, many mitzvahs. Teda tells us about a mitzvah of Shiloh Khan which we've spoken about so many times. And although it's a very powerful muscle, very powerful medrash, etc., we're going to go on. And the next thing that the Taylor tells us is, When you build a new house, make a guardrail on your roof, so that it should not cause blood on your house when the faller will mm-hmm. fall from it. This is the next pasuk after Shlach Khan. Shlach Khan.
Shloch HaKan, when someone completes the mitzvah of Shloch HaKan, tells us the Torah, the simple mitzvah is, has many rewards to it, and therefore, a person will then go on to building a new house, and when one builds a new house, they'll have to build a mica gate around it, around the rooftop, so that nobody ever get hurt. So that the one that falls, if the chasashom fall off the roof, they won't fall because the mica is protecting that nobody should fall. This mitzvah of erecting a mica, a guardrail around the roof, is also a lesson important, with great importance of humility of the person. Obviously, the rooftop is the highest point of the house, which of course represents the highest point of a person's pride, self-importance, but we tell you, put a guardrail around it. It means we must limit and contain our pride. Because pride, arrogance, this is the root of all spiritual deterioration. Sufi states another thing. Even the roof of the Hechel, the holy temple, also required to have this mica, this gate around it. In spiritual terms it means we must be cautious of pride, even when it stems from spiritual achievement. It's equally as harmful as a pride caused by material success. Of course, we should be confident about our devotion to God and His Tera. At the same time, we have to be careful not to allow it to make the person feel arrogant. For even upon the roof of the Hechel, the holy temple itself, the highest places, even the height of the spiritual achievement, there was Chasasholm a risk of spiritual downfall. If Chasasholm, the pride is not contained. In addition to the literal meaning, literal meaning, this command also refers to God's blessing and mandate that each Jew build a new home. Take initiative, create an environment which Judaism flourishes. The home is built by others. Do not exempt us from building our own home. Positively influencing those who have been led specifically to you by divine providence. It's a very, very tough task. We meet somebody sometimes randomly, very randomly, and we don't know why we met this person, what we have to do to fulfill our mission in this world, 
via this person, or with this person, or for this person. Tera warns us, however, that we must limit and enclose the rooftops of these homes that we build. As we said, the arrogance, the self-importance, pride. Why? Because we said before, the faller will fall from it. The pride can place those who are looking shelter in your new home at risk of spiritual downfall if you're so full of pride about it. And this is because words spoken from the heart enter the heart. In our effort to draw others closer to Taylor observance, even though they are pure, and even though they are selfless, even though they are totally dedicated and devoted, if we do it from the heart, we will surely succeed. But if Chas our words are tainted, and we're looking just to make ourselves proud and to pat ourselves on the back, or other personal agendas, we have no such guarantee. Even worse, our pride itself, our self-pride, I'm sorry, even if it comes from what we did what we accomplished spiritually, this can distance from our homes those who depend on them for shelter. This is the real inner meaning of making the Micah, the mitzvah of making the Micah. We curb our self-pride. We can succeed at creating environments which all who seek spiritual shelter will be there and take what they need. Tera continues with a pasuk, with a mitzvah, ki yikach ish isha. When a man takes a wife. A mitzvah Tera, to marry Yesterday I saw a, I heard a story from a man, a yid, it's actually a video placed, it's online, and I don't believe this man is Labab Chahasid, but he too fell into this horrific nightmare and quagmire of the world, and he had a son, Rahman al-Islam, 30 years old, and still not married. He was a good boy, a learning boy, a dedicated boy, a devoted boy. Thirty years old and not married. They were getting very nervous. One night, the man says, the man's telling the story. One night he says he had a dream. He had a dream that he went, he, his wife, and his son, to the house of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And they came there to ask for a bracha, for a shidduch, for the son. came and he stood there, there was a very long line, and he stood and he stood and he waited and waited patiently. It was late at night. The door opened up and he was next to go in, and the Gabbai said to him, please do me a favor. 
The Rebbe's tired now. Go home, come back tomorrow. I'll let you in the first one, I promise. And he looked in the room and he saw the Rebbe standing there by a shtender. And the Rebbe said, no, I will talk to these people. And so they entered. And the man says, the Rebbe called me over, gave me a hand. He gave me blessings I could not understand. I don't remember what it was. Then my wife came over and he spoke and he gave him and blessed her separately. And then I said, Rebbe, my son is 30 years old and is not married to Rahman al-Islam and he's a shidduch. And the Rebbe shook his hand and the Rebbe gave him brachas. And the Rebbe told him, in five weeks you'll be a chassan. Five weeks, you'll be a chassan. Man says, I woke up and I screamed to my wife, Mazel Tov! She says, what's the Mazel Tov? I said, never mind. I didn't want to tell her the dream. I had a gut feeling not to tell her the dream. The next day, we got a phone call from Man Charlie says, Sorry, they're offering him a shidduch. New. What else can we talk about if not what the Rebbe's bracha? But he says, I did not tell my son. I did not want to cause him any pressure. And they arranged a ticket. And I don't know if he needed any sure or not. And the boy went to Eretz Yisrael. And started to date this girl, and it went well. Until he got there, was it a few days until it happened, until they arranged. Baruch Hashem, it went well. The neighbors to Geholfen. That they were ready to break a plate. And the father and mother traveled to Israel to come to break the plate and the father took out a calendar and said it's five weeks it's exactly five weeks that day that the boy became a chassan was exactly the five weeks no the Torah is teaching us about the mitzvah of Kiddushin. A man has to marry his wife and they begin living together as a married couple. The Rambam writes, once the Torah was given, the Eden were commanded, when a man desires to marry a woman, he has to acquire her as a wife and there has to be witnesses and then she becomes his wife. And this we see from the Pasuk Ish Isha when he takes her. What is this Kedushin? What is this marriage? It's twofold. First of all, it designates the woman to be married to this man. And simultaneously it prohibits her from being with anyone else in the world. He must go at home. He's going to be a condition right in the beginning. Base him in base.
the relationship between God and the Jewish people is also oftentimes compared to marriage of the, of, of the Jewish nation to God. And Chazal tells us exactly that both concepts, both aspects of Kedushin. The first of Kedushin, of marriage, is to devotedly strive to cleave to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the second, of course, is to distance ourselves from anything that can distract us from this relationship. Uh, things that we spoke about before, mundane passions, desires. Just as both of these components are involved when it comes to marriage between a husband and wife, a man and a woman, and one cannot exist without the other, so too is the condition between God and Jewish people in order for our love an attachment, unconditional love to God to be complete, we need to separate ourselves from any other passions in this world. In Chavis HaLavavis it says it's impossible to implant the love of God in our hearts while love of this world still resides within it. One needs to toil. To toil with learning of Teda. One needs to devote, us, devote and dedicate themselves fully. I got. Totally dedicate and devote themselves to the study of Teda. Dedicate, devote themselves to the study of Tera. There was a story of the Bacha that Rahman al son was not well, very not well, and he needed a very severe operation. And they went to the level of Rebbe to ask for a bracha. And they went to ask for a bracha and the level of Rebbe looked at him and he told the bacha, who was unfortunately not a very big masmid, if you'll sit and learn Gemara with a smother, with diligence, you will not need the surgery. Everything will dissipate. The father says to the little Rebbe, excuse me, Rebbe, I'm sorry to say, but we went to several different surgeons, we got several different opinions. It's not a simple situation here. Video is not working today for a change. Says Rebbe, sorry. But the doctors, three different doctors, three different opinions, have told us how important this operation is. 
To which the Lelava answered to the boy who ignored the father. Anyway, the father kept trying to interject and to tell him, but the boy heard what Lola Rebbe said, and he went back to the surgeon for the surgery, and the boy already took a resolution to do exactly what Lola said, start learning Tata. And the doctors checked him and said to the father, Rabbi I don't know what happened, what you did. There's no operation necessary. It's gone. Whatever he had is gone. <laughs> Needless to say, the excitement that went on. And the father looked at his son and the son said Ta, I made a hachlot I made a decision right then and there that I will start to learn Gemara by his mother and lo and behold this is what happened Taylor continues with another mitzvah very interesting one of this when you reap the harvest in your fields, and you forgot a bundle in your field, do not go back to take it, like belongs to the converts, to the orphans, to the widows. So God should bless you with all that you do. Shikha. I didn't do anything. I didn't go out and do a mitzvah actually. I forgot a bundle on the field. I cut my wheat and I bundled it up. I piled the bundles up. And then I went up and down the roads collecting the bundles. And this bundle I forgot. I may not go back and take it. I must leave it there. And this is considered a mitzvah. Shikha. And the tailor promises in the schus of forgetting this grain, this sheaf, Hashem will bless you in all that you do.
an unintentional mitzvah. And again, Rashi goes and says that the mitzvah of an uninten- the reward of an unintentional mitzvah is so great that if a person drops an accident money out of his pocket and a poor man finds it and a poor man uses it for food, the lost coin will be considered tzedakah, charity for this man that lost it. What's the significance of a mitzvah performed without conscious intent? We understand this, what the Rambam says, when it comes to Rachman al-Sahn of divorce. A husband is allochically obligated to divorce his wife. So much so, the court may use physical force to prevail upon him to agree to give his wife a get. The bill of divorce. And the get is only allowed, it's only valid if it's willingly given. But yet, he's allowed to be forced. Very interesting. Unfortunately, today, because of the secular courts, this doesn't happen anymore. Because the last time it was done, a bunch of rabbis ended up in jail. The Rambam explains that a get is still valid. Why? Because the person really did want to. A Jew wants to do the mitzvah in the and although he's claiming he doesn't want to give a get, but it's a mitzvah to give the get if the situation is volatile at home, and therefore, even though he didn't want to, but if he did do it, it's, he has a mitzvah. And by doing it, he Pashat simply acknowledges that this was what he really wanted. The same is true whenever a person fulfills a mitzvah. Even if he seems to do it out of habit or ulterior motives, what truly motivates the person is the sincere desire of every Jew to observe all the mitzvahs. More so, this desire to obey God will to, sorry this desire to observe what God wants all the things that God requests from us is actually rooted within the essential nature of the neshama that comes down onto this world and it even has the remnants within the conscience mind and therefore it can influence a person's actions without his knowledge at all. Therefore we say when a Jew unknowingly drops a coin, it's possible that his subconscious desire to fulfill the mitzvah of tzedakah is what caused him to drop the coin in the hope that a poor person will ultimately find it. And therefore he's credited with the mitzvah, which stemmed from the innermost desire of his soul even though he's entirely unaware of it. This is the lesson that this mitzvah teaches us.
as we said, the, mit- the Pasha has many mitzvahs to it. I guess we will say something about Shiloh HaKan after all. The end of the Gemara Masech Tzchulim. Gemara says, "Leitel Adam Eim Abonim, I feel the Tiras Hametzera." We cannot take the mother on the children, even if it comes to purify the leper. And just like this mitzvah kala, which is. A small trivial thing. Taylor says, So much more so, says Rashi also, and quoting this Gemara, is the hardest of the mitzvahs. How great is the reward for them? We have to understand what is the Kalvachemir from Shlach Khan? It's a simple mitzvah. And therefore, all the other mitzvahs that are much harder, what do you have to take this for? Why does the Pasuk explain when it comes to Mitzvah's Kibidav? Where it says, You'll have longevity. And this is from a much more stringent Mitzvah. And then say, if the stringent Mitzvah of, of respecting your parents, you'll get a great reward for it, so much more so for the most simplest of Mitzvah's. But the Mishnah wants to answer this question, and therefore puts an introduction before the Kalvachema. This is the din of Shlachakan when it comes to Taras HaMetzera, purifying the Metzera. And the din is Shlachitel Emabonim, Afilu the Taras HaMetzera, you cannot take the mother with the children, even to purify the Metzera. This teaches us there is no mitzvah of Shlachakan for the good of the mother. Sorry, the mitzvah of is not for the good of the mother. However, it's as such. It would have been right here now to be metara the mitzvah. And tara the mitzvah would push away shlokhakan. Because purifying the mitzvah, the leper, brings peace between a husband and wife. Keep it scored home with chulin, kuf memalaf memalaf. 141, side 1. And it simply brings peace between people. Something that brings peace should be definitely more important than the good of the bird. And this fact that this din does not override the mitzvah Khan is a mitzvah in Adam Lamakim between a person and the Abishta. And the decree that Taylor says to send away the mother. Not that it's Rigeya here the goodness of, for the goodness of the mother. So therefore the explanation of the Mishnah when the mother says the Mishnah says that these are things that one eats the fruits in the in this world. And the world to come. This is Kibidav Aim, respect, honoring your mother and father. So, if you can score on the Gemara Kedushin, Mem Amar Aleph says, 40 side 1, that the reason for these mitzvahs, eating the parents in this world, eating fruits in this world, reaping our reward in this world, this is because the reason the mitzvahs 
These are mitzvahs are between a person and his friend. That they have enough from them, also in this world. And therefore, also the reward of Paris and mitzvahs of Elam So now, since we understand that Shedrach HaKam is, not, is good for the mother, it's Hanoah and Elam pleasure in this world, but mitzvahs between a person and God, that's why it's good this way. So according to this, it's not in the, in, in the realm at all of eating parents in the world, in this world. Therefore it says, The, the intention is, Elam Haba, not Elam Therefore we say, we can't learn out a Kavachema, from this, the Kibidav, which is a mitzvah in Adam Lechaveri. Because there the person needs to re- receive reward and the fruits in this world. And we merit and we start this week again, and we're not getting closer to Reish Hashanah. And therefore we also wish to each and every one of us and may we all merit to the ultimate good of the world Taiva is Taiva Samashiach Tzidkenu Mehrev Yemenu this Shabbos it's Shabbos to all